Good morning, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. It's Ken Sternfeld for Bagels with my sister, our Sunday conversation brought to you from Israel, where my sister Judith Sternfeld Adar is uh, going to be joining us. Judy, are you there this afternoon? Even though we're, we do it in the morning, it's the afternoon over in Israel. Right, but seven hours ahead, I am fully present and always happy, delighted, actually, uh, to do this with you, my brother. <laughs> well, we're, I I'm, love it. I love it, too. And, you know, spring ahead, fall back, change your clocks. Today's Groundhog's Day. I don't know whether, do they celebrate Groundhog's Day in Israel? You know, that's a very interesting question. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so, because I haven't heard about it. I wonder if we even have Groundhog's in Israel. Well, if they are, you know, if they are, they, they may not be sticking their heads up. You know, well, you know, because you're, you know, you were born and raised in the United States, that uh, Groundhog's Day is a day when... Uh, for, for decades, Puxatani Pete, this groundhog, who has been this national uh, weather forecaster, he picks his head up on Groundhog's Day, and he comes up from the little hole, and if he sees his shadow, it means there'll be six more weeks of winter, and if he doesn't see his shadow, it means that spring is coming. So we put our our whole life in Puxatani Phil's, you know, uh, hands when he when he sticks his little head. Oh, oops, are you okay? Are you feeling better? I'm last fine. Week? I, I I just have this cough. Uh, I still have it. You know, I'm uh, being the pharmacist's daughter. I'm taking good care. Um, cough medicine, echinacea, you know, cough drops, but. And it doesn't hurt or bother me. It's just uh, a pain in the neck. It's annoying. But it's going to get better. It's that annoying cough. Well, back to that annoying. Back to the the annoying Puxatani Pete, because you know I don't know if you know there there even everyone can always make a comment of something, even if it's a tradition. I I read earlier in the week that certain animal activist groups are saying that it's not fair to Puxatani Pete and that we should use a robot instead of having an animal, and maybe this was cruel. I don't know if it's cruel for the groundhog it, just it, to stick his really? head up. Yeah, yeah, really? They want to replace him with a robot? That, that, that's what I read. And I, and I said, really? Come on, enough, enough. I mean, everyone has to take a position on what they believe in, and I, I certainly support that. But, you know, let, let Puxatani Pete live. Let him live. Come on, he's, uh, he's been around for, for hundreds of years doing this uh, Predicting the weather. I mean, uh, I think it's really important that we not replace Puxatani Pete. So I'm going to be. I uh, agree. I'm I agree. That's the American tradition. I you know, know, it's like, you know, um, replacing the Thanksgiving turkey with a robot. <laughs> you, know? you know what? I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Sometimes people take take their passion, you know, and their their desire to change maybe a little a, maybe much, a little yeah. too far. But anyway. I digress. So back to the fact that our conversation today, it really always centers back on family. You know, you and I you know, have, have, have the same parents. So when we talk about things, thank, it, God. thank God, it can, yeah. re- it can resonate. And one of the things I remember, and maybe it's because I'm talking on Groundhog's Day, is there was always that balance <laughs> between what mom was believing in and, and preaching and what dad 
was believing in and preaching. And it was a balance, almost like a, like a groundhog environment where mom always looked at things as positive and she saw the light uh, and she never saw that shadow, you know, that shadow. Well, it, it was always like, if you want to relate it to finance as well, it doesn't matter that we can't afford that. That's what we want to do. And that, we want to add culture to that's our what children. Think about it. Right. Yes, wasn't visual like they did, wasn't say for it. She was a dreamer. Mom was a dreamer. And I think really? she instilled that on, on all her children. And, uh, and that, dr- right. that dreaming, that passion for positivity, positivity and the passion for doing things that would enhance and, 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 and just advance you wasn't balanced out in a negative way that you can't do it. Mom never really came to any decision in her life and she said, I can't do that. And I think she instilled that on, on us and me, certainly, in terms of finding ways to just not have anybody say no. You know, I mean, I'm the one, and I'm not going to, I'm the one who they, we couldn't afford to send out of town college, but mom always wanted that. She always wanted, it didn't matter that you couldn't afford it. She just wanted what was good uh, for for her children and for for enhancing their lives and stuff. And that that's stuff, looking at the glass half full, always. And that's what mom did. For me, um, you know, when we had that college conversation, I being the eldest, um, you know, dad had said, you know, definitely well, education, college education is extremely important. (laughs) And with three children, you know, we can only afford a state school. However, Mom said to me, listen, Judy, apply wherever you want, and we'll see. Actually, I didn't, uh, because I was very considerate of my two younger brothers, you and Stephen, you know, and that you had to go to college. And I, I didn't want to cause any um, discord or raise any you know, hopes, like, let's say, if I I had gotten into, I could have gotten into a really good school, I had really good marks. Let's say if I had gotten into to Barnard or New York uh, private, but New York, uh, New York City school, you know, I do it. <clears throat> well, then it would have, you know, raised the question of, gee, I really want to go. And that would say, but, you know, I told you, we can only afford such and such amounts of money. And mom would sort of say, well, we'll see what we can do, da-da-da-da-da-da. So, um, you know, I I was realistic with that. <laughs> and I went to Harper, you know, I survived. But, you know, she always uh, was a dreamer and romantic. And I, for sure, <laughs> Yeah, I have that too. I don't wear pajamas, but my head's in the cloud too. When I think about the things that, that I really just don't want to look at why I can't do them. And, but I do want to look at why I should do them and I need to do them and find a way to do them. And dad was always the realist and, and you need a balance. And, you know, fam- yeah. family gives you that, 
balance sometimes, and sometimes it goes out of balance. You know, so I always I always felt, and and there were times in in my life where I did I wasn't there as much with family as I could have been or should have been. But at the end of the day, family is kind of where the heart is. When you look at your life and you look at how you came into this world, you came in this world because of your parents, and you may not agree with them every single time. Clearly, you don't as you're growing up. I remember the thing that bothered me most about parenting, and I swore I would be better at a parenting than mom and dad were, was then they would just say, because I said so. You know, they wouldn't give you, you know, they give you all the reasons, give you all the reasons, and you say, no, no, I want to do this. Well, you have to do it because I said so. And I remember vividly telling mom, you know, or dad, or both of them, when I grow up and when I have my kids, I'm never, ever going to say that. And of course, you know that as much as you try, uh, uh, there I was years later with my own kids. And no matter what I tried to do, no matter how much I tried to stop, there it was. It just, it just came out. It says, because I said so. And, you know, you just, you just don't know what's going to happen because the culture you learn is so family focused. I mean, Family is the most important part. Do you fight with your family? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you run into situations where family causes pain and aggravation and stress? Absolutely. But when you, when you come home you know, to that family unit, in your toughest times, I remember whether it's when you lose, uh, uh, you know, lose family members or you lose uh, uh, friends and, you, and the people you really only can rely on. Uh, in, in its basic core, our, our family, because family is so important, so important. So I, I always think it's where the heart is. And, and I, I've tried to use the, uh, the values that mom and dad gave to us to bring those values to my own children and to hopefully instill on them that they should be doing that and they do with their own children. So to see it, pay it forward, you know, it, it's very proud to, uh, uh, to know that what we've learned what we've been, you know, educated on by just our parents doing the right thing have helped us right. in, our, in our lives as well. So. Yeah, I always knew, like, that they were behind us, wanting us to be successful, us to be happy. Um, and no matter what, they um, sort of come through to us. It wasn't necessarily in terms of money, but it was in terms of love. You know, I always felt that they always loved us through everything, no matter what. (laughs) Well, that's true. And, And, you know, one of the things that family doesn't have to be blood relatives. You know, when you build alliances and you build friendships, one of the things I always said uh, about our dear cousin Bert. Um, and I went to his 80th birthday uh, party. Oh, yeah, on the 15th. It's, it's yeah. coming up. Yeah, and, and again, an individual who, and I said, uh, I made a comment. They were asking if anybody wanted to talk, and his family got up and made heartwarming speeches. And I, and I and what I said in, in just a very brief comment is, his birth was someone who was family, but you felt like he was your best friend. And And then when you have friends... <laughs> who you feel like they're family, and I'm fortunate enough to have that as well. When you can cross that that line, it's not about the blood rel- uh, you know, blood relationship. It's about the relationship in general, where there are people who, who you know love you, 
I mean, every time he would talk to you and finish a conversation on the phone, he would say, I love you. And, you know, that, that kind of stays with you and makes you feel that he's more than, you know, just related to us. He really is, um, you know, a friend and someone who cares about us deeply. So, you know, family doesn't have to be something that's limited to the yeah, amount of right. brothers or sisters or, or mom and dad. And I try and instill that in, in business and in relationships to really treat people like you are, they're part of your family. And if you treat them with that respect and you listen to them and you learn from them, it really enhances your life. So, um, you know, that's, I believe, what our parents uh, always instilled on us to to just do the right thing and to and to be kind and gentle and uh, and to not, uh, you know, not do things that really would hurt other people. That's right. And, you know, as I've been sort of thinking more um, about, uh, you know, did I always make, let's say, dad proud because I went traveling around a bit, uh, you know, that was like not his style. He wasn't a child of the 60s where, you know, a backpack and traveling, you know, with, without a, a destination, just uh, exploring the world. Um, uh, so sometimes I think, gee, was he really proud of me? He was. And, and he maybe was. not so much at that point, but, but at least um, after, you know, he passed away, you know, I came back and I was right there. Helping out in whatever way I could, you know. Let me give give you a perspective. Let me give you a perspective that I can share with you because I am a parent, Uh, and I can know how Dad felt about you and the things. There are times when my children, uh, you know, you're mad, you're under, you're you're disappointed, and things like that. But you're always proud, and I can tell you, you know, that you. I didn't have to hear it from Dad, but I knew and always know that he was always proud of you and proud of Stephen and proud of me. But it doesn't mean that that proudness doesn't come with, you know, disappointment or anger or things like that. The word proud, he was proud to have, you know, the three beautiful children that he had. And he was proud, uh, you know, of, of everything that mom, uh, you know, did to enhance our life. So that that oversight of our parents never dies, doesn't die when they pass away. You know, I believe my father, our father's looking down on me and the things that I'm doing in the pharmacy profession. And he's very proud of me. And oh, absolutely. And I'm not, absolutely. you know, I know he's not here to share them with him, but he kind of is, you know, as I've mentioned many yeah. times, every mm-hmm. store, every store I worked in seemed to be on Merrick road in, uh, in Long Island. And, and, yeah. dad, and the name isn't of dad's that, store was Merrick. It's really strange. Really? It's really, really bizarre. But one of the, one of the things about a family is that it can extend and for me, it's extended into the pharmacy profession because I believe that like any family, there's a lot of discourse. Like any family, the pharmacy profession you know, has different opinions and people who are saying good things and bad things. And there was an article last week about CVS uh, and, and other retailers, how they create unsafe environments and it's really hurting people. And you can read the article and you can comment on it and talk about the negative. But I, I think yeah, it, it where may, is it? Where uh, was it published? Well, it was published in the New York Times, a little small little uh, uh, little newspaper here in the United oh. States. But the point is, the point oh, yeah. is, you can look okay. at the negative, 
And then, listen, I was there at CVS and I knew about those environments. I live with them. But then when you kind of say, is the glass half full through those challenges, is CVS helping millions of patients as well? Yeah. So everyone's going to always have a complaint. Everyone's always going to look at that glass half empty. I just think it's time in our culture that we look at the positive. And we look at the past. There's so much negative going on. You can get you can get drowned. You drown in it if you only talk about the negative. So I think it goes back that we have to think of ourselves as everyone's part of a family, a nation. We're family. We're related. You know, we're not the same. But if you don't respect and if you don't understand that everyone's got a different opinion and everyone sees things differently, then you know you're kind of not in that nation. You're not in that family. So. It, it's about it's about having a little heart and a little compassion for everyone in your life and for doing things that just don't take you backwards to just move you forward. So I don't know. And none of this is drug related, Judy. I'm not taking any drugs to talk like this. I trust. Trust me. Actually, it's, you sound like you could be high on something. Well, I know. But but I, I, I think I, you're high on life, actually. A, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, because yeah. life is really challenging, as you yeah. know. You know, even the even all the physical challenges I have, it's kind of like the senses. You know, like if God forbid someone loses their 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 sight, their hearing becomes more more adept, or their other senses. I, I feel, and you know more than anybody, some of the physical uh, challenges. You know, and 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 things that that hold me back. You know, I try not to use the word disabled or handicapped, but I but I am in terms of my ability to move around. But I think it's really given me a, 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 a passion for what I do have in life and the things that I do have. And, and maybe it just comes out that way. And being able to talk about it is really very therapeutic. Because if you talk about it and just think about how bad things are, boy, you can go into a you can go into that groundhog that ground that groundhog hole and never, and never come out. So anyway. Actually, you do have a lot of positives in your life. You have a great family. Yeah, you, you know. Um, a very um, smart head. You're very creative. You're, you know, you never stop thinking and growing and um, in your head. And uh, you know, you have grandchildren and a loving wife. And you had for many years um, in laws who were really, you know, very supportive of you. And um, that's a lot. It is, and, and, and I'm fortunate, and everybody needs to think how fortunate they are. You know, life is, uh, it's challenging, but life is, is all we have, and we should live it to the fullest. So uh, I want to leave this conversation with you just sharing one slight little story you told me about, about how an 80-year-old man kind of lit up your life, life last night through a performance in Tel Aviv. And how he, you know, was singing and dancing and and taking his life and helping others around around him. So could you share that? And then we'll close this session for next week. Uh, There's a singer named Yoram Gaon in Israel. He's very popular. He's been singing for 50 or 60 years. And everyone knows his songs. And he keeps, you know, coming up with new ones. So last night I went to this concert in Tel Aviv. And... um, it was amazing. He walked out, and uh, thanks to you, I always think when men wear black, it's like power black. He walked out 
empower black and it just started singing you know about this it's all about uh israel and how you know fun it is and tel aviv and, and the whole crowd started singing along with him and he belted out songs for two hours on that stage no break not, not, not even a little five minute break um he had four great um you know musicians backing him up a keyboardist who really was superb and i thought gee you know that piano's really really good at a set of drum, uh, drummers uh, a drummer with you know the whole set of uh, snares and everything, little percussion section. And two um, guitarists, and one of them also played flute. And um, he was dancing around the stage, telling some jokes, and the crowd loved it. And they just kept singing along because everyone knows the words to these songs. And I walked out feeling so high, and I was not on drugs except for a little cough medicine. But other than that, you know, it was so life-affirming that he could be so enthusiastic and bring the crowd, you know, to their feet at the end and, like, swinging the, swinging their arms and dancing along. I, I just flew home. And I'm so grateful that I can still enjoy those things. Right. You know, it's, it's a... Thank you for sharing, and I know I know that 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 performance for that individual gave him so much joy that he could uplift the lives of others by doing something he loves to do. And if we focus on the things we love to do, you really will impact more people. Just do it. So next week we'll come up with another topic. I want you to feel better. Get get, get rid of that cough, and I want to thank you as I'm always. For getting, I won't say getting up Sunday. You, you, you've already been up for seven, eight, ten hours. But thank you for sharing. That's right. <laughs> thank you for sharing. So we're going to say goodbye, and we will talk again next week. This is Ken Sternfeld, the concierge pharmacist, and you're listening to Bengals with my sister, Judith Adar Sternfeld. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.